0: Welcome here in the room. Welcome online. We're so glad that you're joining us here this morning. Thanks for being with us. It's so great to be together as the family of God in the house of God. Just lifting up the name of Jesus together. You know, there's nothing I'd rather do than lift up the name of Jesus with a group of other people that love him too. And you know, in the last, I don't, if, if you haven't been around recently, I want to just tell you, God's up to something pretty big here at Vineyard Boise. Okay so six of you have been here. <laughs> to the rest of you, what I want to say is God is up to something at Vineyard Boise. God is moving. The Holy Spirit is is alive and active in this place. People are getting healed. People are getting saved. People are getting delivered and set free. It's almost like we're the church almost like God wants to be here and dwell among us and move among us like the body of Christ, like he says that we are. And so I want to welcome you this morning into what God's doing. He's so faithful. He's so faithful. The Bible says that he's faithful even when I'm not faithful. That's how I can stand up here this morning, not because pastors are awesome or preachers are good. We're nothing. We are, our faithfulness is the Bible describes as filthy rags before him. You see, we don't stand here in some sort of righteousness. We stand here in his righteousness. That's all that we've got. As the, as the body of Christ, that's all that we've got. We stand in his grace and his righteousness alone. Amen? So we've, we're in this series, and I just want to affirm what God's doing in this. God is up to something incredible. We've been talking about the house of the Lord. And David said, the psalmist said, I was glad, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. When's the last time you woke your kids up for church and said, hey, it's time to go to church? And they were like, yes. Not recently. Not recently. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Father, today we open ourselves up to hear from you. And only you, God. Come, Holy Spirit. Rest on your word today. Your word is alive and active. And would you just set us right today, we ask. Breathe on us with your Holy Spirit. Breathe on us in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, we ask. And speak to us today, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, all right. So we kicked off this series talking about God's intent The house of the Lord began with the intent of God, which was in Genesis 1 through 3. And we talked about the intent of God. He builds this garden. He he creates everything, including mankind. And then he creates a garden. He creates a space. He creates a place for mankind to connect with him. He doesn't leave any guesswork. He leaves a space. There's no guessing. He just says, hey, here's where we meet. Here's where we walk. Here's where we talk. Here's when we walk. Here's when we talk. Here's how we do it. And the only thing you have to do is not touch that, not eat that. That's the whole deal. That's our relationship. And he creates an environment. He creates a space, a place for humankind to meet with him and connect with him. We all know what happens at that story. And if you don't, uh, ask me at the meet and greet today. I'll tell you. Next week, Pastor Kenny led us through an excellent message last week. How many of you appreciated that? That was so good, so life-giving. I was just taking furious notes over there. That God designed altars. So after the garden, how did how did how did humans meet with God? What was the plan? What were we supposed to do? The garden, we we lost the garden. We we messed that all up. Now what are we supposed to do? God set out altars and he called. People to altars to meet with him. He said, There's going to be this altar and it's going to be called this. It's going to be this altar. It's going to be a rock and it's going to be called this. Come meet with me there. And it says that they would set up altars and they called it by a name and they met with God in those places. It's how God spoke. It's how God began this relationship with the family of Abraham that would continue from that moment until now, today. From the Garden of Eden, from the Garden of Eden. To the tabernacle that we're going to talk about today. We have altars. You know, one of the altars that Abraham's family met with God, and we see it resurface later as an altar of real significance for the children of Israel, was Bethel. Bethel. And Bethel means house of the Lord. The word Bethel means house of the Lord. It was one of the altars that Abraham's family met with God, and it was called the house of the Lord. And generationally, his family met there. And today we're going to talk about one of those moments because, see, later when Jacob, Abraham's grandson, he's on the run. He's trying to escape from his brother. There's been all this drama. We're not even going to go into it. It's like it's Old Testament level stuff. He's running from his brother. They're, you know, he's he betrayed his dad. He's done all these, all this horrible stuff, and he's on the run and he runs away. And the Bible says that Jacob meets with God. He comes to this place. He wasn't even intending to meet with God. He wasn't even. See, sometimes we think we have to like set up this whole thing. God set up this whole thing to meet with Jacob. This morning. Somebody in here, this is a setup. You've been set up to meet with God. God set up a moment to meet with you, and I want you to hear this this morning. Jacob lays down to sleep. He doesn't go to a specific place on purpose. He's just running. He lays down to sleep, and he puts a rock under his head for a pillow. You've all been to that motel, right? Wrong, wrong, yeah puts a rock under his head as a pillow, and he has a powerful dream on this rock pillow. And it's this dream about the set of stairs, and there's angels coming and going. The, the stairs, uh, some people call it Jacob's ladder, right? Some of the translations say it's a ladder. And it's a ladder that reaches from heaven to right where his pillow is on earth. Now, that's a dream. And on this ladder, there's angels coming and going. The kingdom, like we said earlier, is coming and going to this one place where he's on the run, where he's in disobedience, where God's trying to get his attention. And God, he wakes up and he says, Whoa, what was that? What just happened? He exper- this dream was a connection with God. He experienced God. He had an experience with God that can only be explained as supernatural. How many of you have ever had an experience with God? A moment with God. That's what God set up here for Jacob. Let's read about that in Genesis twenty-eight sixteen. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. <laughs> Duh. He just saw it like it was happening. I was not aware of it. I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Listen, he was afraid and said, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. He was afraid He was afraid. You remember, we talked about the fear a couple weeks ago. We talked about this the fear of the Lord. You see, God is not natural, God is supernatural. You and I are natural. We're not, this is all we got, right? This is, you know, someday, like when my spirit leaves this body and goes to be in heaven with Jesus, this body will go, this body will go into the earth. It will become dust, just like it was created from. I'm natural, this is all I've got. But God is outside of the natural. And when you have an experience with him, it prompts something in us, the fear of the Lord. Oh my goodness, there's something bigger, way bigger than me. So early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head, his pillow, and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, "If God, listen to this vow, if God will be with me, And will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return to the safety of my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone, this altar, this pillow that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth All that you give me, I will give you a tenth. I want to just, spoiler alert, God is about to give Jacob a fortune. And all that you give me, he says, I will give you a tenth. He calls this place the house of the Lord, and he sets up an altar and commits to give God a tenth. He says, God, this is your house, and I'm all in. This is your house. This place is your house, God. This is your way, and I'm all into it. Before he renames it Bethel, it was called Luz. In the Hebrew text, that means to turn aside, to depart, devious, guile, to vanish. It's a negative word. Pretty much a negative word that describes what he'd just done to his family. And in this place, with what he he just left his family, turned aside, gone out on his own, with guile in his heart, running from God, running from his dad, running from his brother, what he just done, God leaves behind in a moment and says, no, this moment is now called my house. This is sort of Jacob's whole story summed up at this time. Times get tough and he bolts. Things get hard, he takes off. He departs, he leaves. But now, Jacob is saying, no more taking off. From now on... I know God is with me, and I'm in on his way all the way. He puts his money where his mouth is. Oh, you're like, now he's talking about money. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I'm talking about money. Do you know why? Let me tell you why I'm talking about money. Because there's this beautiful verse in Scripture that says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm not talking about money, I'm talking about our hearts. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But that's just a side note. We are talking about money, but we're talking about our hearts here. He gives money, he gives, he commits a tenth, he commits a tithe, that's that word, of all of his treasure for the rest of his life. Generations later, God institutes the tabernacle. That's the tent in the desert. That, the word tabernacle, it's a strange word. We don't really use it much in our culture today. It was a tent in the desert. It was, before that, there was just this tent of meeting. Uh, Moses set up a tent outside the camp, and when people wanted to meet with God, there was a tent outside the camp where people could go meet with God, and Moses would take them on out there, and they could talk with God. He'd take the elders out there from Israel, and they'd go outside the camp to meet with God. But see, after the children of Israel had been in captivity in Egypt for over 400 years, generations of their forefathers declaring that God would make them a great nation, and then here they are stuck in the land of Egypt as slaves. So when God delivered them from Egypt and sent them onto the promised land through the desert, God gave Moses this plan, a design for a large tent, a large tabernacle that would be right in the center of camp right where everybody could see his presence dwell and know that God was with them and they could bring the offerings and sacrifices that would atone for their sin uh, and, and worship God. Like I said before, it was outside the camp and Moses would go and meet with God and get direction from God, but the tabernacle would be different. It wouldn't just be the tent Moses set up to talk to his leaders and his leaders could meet with God if they wanted. The tabernacle would be different. It would be in the middle of camp. And do you know what the Bible says about the tabernacle? It says that the cloud of the spirit would dwell there by day and the fire would dwell there by night they could see him they could see him imagine that millions of people encamped in the desert and in the center of the camp you could see him he dwelt in the middle of his people In the tabernacle, we see chapter after chapter in Genesis that shows us, uh, in Exodus, excuse me, that there is a way that God designed the tabernacle to be built. It would be a place where God would be worshipped, but he would be worshipped not just at a tent outside the camp. He'd be worshipped according to a specific pattern that he set aside. He had a specific way that all the furniture was supposed to be set up. He had specific offerings that he wanted them to bring. He had specific clothes that the people who made the offerings were supposed to bring. Why? Because he was teaching his people that he had a way. He had a way. Even in the desert, God had a way. Let's look at Exodus chapter 25, beginning in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone, look at this, whose heart prompts them to give. These are the offerings you're to receive. So he says, tell them to bring me an offering. Anyone whose heart says to bring me an offering will bring me an offering. And then out of those offerings, these are the ones you're supposed to accept. It's getting really specific. He's dialing down. It's not just like, hey, bring me whatever you've got. I'll take it. He says, no, there, there's a way. I've got a pattern. These are the offerings you're to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze. Blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen. Goat hair, ramskins dyed red. And other type of durable. This is getting real specific. He goes on, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastplate. Verse 8, then have them make a sanctuary for me. That's the tabernacle. And I will look at this, dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all of its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. We see that 400-some years later, David is now king and wants to build a permanent home. He wants to take God outside of a tent and build God a permanent building where he can dwell, a house. And he wants it to be in Jerusalem. Why? Jerusalem was the capital. It's where everything was happening. It was the center, the middle of God's people. God tells David he's not the guy to do it because he's killed too many people. He's a man of war. But he says, hey, your son will do it. Solomon would build it. And just as David is passing the throne onto Solomon, look at this. He tells him to, to rule wisely and he gives him his best advice. But then look at this, he says in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 19. David then said to Solomon, The Lord showed me how his temple is to be built. But you must see that everything is done according to these plans. David says, Hey, God said I can't build it. God gave me the plan, though, and so I'm gonna pass these plans on to you. And what you have to do, son, is make sure all of God's plans are followed. Again, God's getting really specific with how and where he wants to live. Does this sound familiar? Just like the plans, you don't deviate from the plans. You do it exactly like the pattern I show you. Just like the pattern, according to the pattern. We see that phrase several times throughout the Old Testament and throughout this process of the design and build of both the tabernacle and later the temple. Each time it's a call to build the house of the Lord, the way, everybody say the way, the way The Lord wants it built, and to worship Him there the way He wants to be worshiped. This is where they're to offer sacrifices of worship, their offerings of atonement for forgiveness of their sins. And generations later, we see that even in Jesus' time, the children of Israel from all over the world would take a pilgrimage to the temple for the feasts of the Lord, for the celebrations. And they would make his name holy there in that temple with their sacrifices of worship, asking for forgiveness for their sin and having the priests make atonement for them with the blood of animals. The people would sing on the way into Jerusalem. We talked about this a few weeks ago. The people would sing. They're called the Psalms of of Ascent. They were songs that the children of Israel sang all the way in. And if you just Google Psalms of of Ascent, you can read them. They're beautiful. They're so poetic. Written by multiple different authors from several different generations, actually. And their collection of songs that the children of Israel would sing on their way into Jerusalem. On their way into their pilgrimage. On their way into the city of God on their way to the temple. These songs would affirm God's provision for them and his protection of them. I love them. They sing all about who he is to them. They sing, he's our provision. He's our shelter. He's our strong tower. He rescues us in dangerous times. He rescues me uh, from my enemies. They sing all of these songs about who he is. Why? Because they're going to his house and they're celebrating all the way in who he is to them. Are you with me this morning? <laughs> Imagine this. It's one time a year. It's one time a year you and your family go get to go present yourself to the Lord and ask for forgiveness for all your sin. Imagine this. One time a year You might live 30, 40, 50, 60 miles away, and on foot, you and your family are gonna walk to the temple, you're gonna bring your sacrifice of atonement, and you're going to ask God to forgive you for your sin one time a year. How does your heart feel on the way? You see, these songs weren't just like to keep them busy and to keep the kids occupied. These songs were expressions of the heart that prepared them for what they were about to do as they led their lamb to the temple together. As they took their cage with their dove in it to the temple together. And they talked about why they were taking this to the temple together. I don't know about your kids, but my kids ask questions. A lot of questions, and they'd probably want to know why a little cute lamb that's been in my yard for the last four months is now coming with us to the temple. And I get the privilege of explaining how sin is forgiven. Imagine how you would feel on your way into the temple. And then imagine how you would feel on your way out forgiven, atoned for. Imagine that feeling of renewal. Imagine that feeling of revival in your heart, in your spirit. You see, going to the temple was a consistent reminder to God's people that God has a way of doing things. And when we follow his way of doing things, we see his result, his way, his result, his plan, his pattern, his results. Forgiveness, atonement, freedom, revival, renewal—according to His plan. you growing up. My mom, uh, my mom was a seamstress. Growing up, and so we had. A, she she made clothes for people. Like not you know like people would hire her. You guys noticed. That you guys looked at me like what? It used to be a thing. Uh, she made clothes for people. So somebody would come to her house. She'd measure them. She'd take the patterns. She'd cut the patterns on our kitchen table. And for a while, there would be a pattern on our kitchen table until those clothes were done. And she followed the pattern. And if she followed the pattern for size medium person, she got a size medium suit for size medium person. She followed the pattern. She would cut it out precisely out of that very thin paper with very sharp scissors. And then she would lay out the fabric over the top and she'd pin it together and she'd cut it according to pattern. And the pattern gave her a result. The pattern gave her a result. Also growing up, my dad was a journeyman electrician. Talk about needing a pattern. As an electrician, if you don't follow the pattern, the results aren't just a suit that doesn't fit you. As an electrician, if you don't follow the pattern, you've got a fire, or worse, somebody's getting electrocuted, right? Hopefully it's not you. <laughs> follow the pattern. There's a way the current goes. The current flows at this rate, and this is how you deal with the current. There's a pattern. It's this color of wire. Right? There was a pattern. You follow the pattern, you get good results. You don't follow the pattern, someone's going to get hurt. Romans 12 verse 2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will see god 's way brings life god 's way brings renewal god 's way brings what we as humans need, and God knows this god 's not controlling God is just all knowing he knows what the pattern is for us to have life we don 't we think we do don 't we we think there 's a lot of people who think they know what the pattern is that brings well it's just, it just brings life to me it 's life giving to me. I don't know, that place just isn't life-giving to me. I'll stop. (laughs) There's a pattern. When we follow the pattern, we get life. We get revival. We get renewal. God's way brings renewal. God's good, perfect, and pleasing way brings renewal to our minds and our hearts. He is a God of renewal. Renewal is found in his way and not our own. Isaiah 55, verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your... This is God talking. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Aren't you thankful? My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. Psalm 51.10 says this. David says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew... Everybody say, renew... Renew a steadfast spirit within me, or a right spirit, a righteous spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. David writes that the contrast to renewal is separation from God. You hear that? Don't cast me from your presence. Renew my spirit. Don't cast me from your presence. Do you see? They're opposites. If I'm away from his presence, my spirit is not renewed. If I'm not around him, if I'm not close to him, if he is not dwelling with me, if he has chosen to remove me from his presence, then my spirit is not renewed. And I'm looking for renewal in the ways of this world, in the patterns of this world, in the culture of this world, in the things around me. I'm looking for you know another vacation. I'm looking for a new car. I'm looking for a little more money. I'm looking for a new relationship. I'm looking for this or that or the other thing. And that's not according to God's pattern. God's patterns says, draw close to his presence, be renewed. This has renewal to our hearts and a fresh sense of his spirit dwelling with us has always been the goal. Since Genesis 1, we talked about it two weeks ago. Since Genesis 1, God's goal has always been dwell with his people. Dwell with his people. That's always been the goal, since from creation to today, all through the children of Israel, their experience in the desert with altars, their experience in Egypt, their experience after Egypt in the desert, their experience with the temple, their experience with the next temple, their experience all away, all along the way has always been, the goal has always been God dwelling with his people. He wants to dwell with us. That's why a house is called a dwelling guys just connected the dots this morning. (laughs) Dwelling. He wants to dwell with you and I. That's the point. So that was the tabernacle and the temple. And I know God designed those so he could dwell with us, but what about now? It's actually, do you know, it's actually one of the names describing Jesus in Isaiah chapter 7. A prophetic word about Jesus says this, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look at this. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. We talk about this. We sing about it at Christmas, right? And you shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. This was the plan all along. He was the plan all along. Not altars, not gardens, not tents, not tabernacles, not temples. Jesus was the plan all along. For God to dwell with his people and save his people, redeeming us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's why throughout history, when the church starts to refocus on Jesus... Great revivals break out. You might say renewal happens. The, w- the way to renewal is to get our eyes off the things of this world, off of what we think the Holy Spirit is or should look like or is doing or is not doing, off of the way things have been done in the past and to set our eyes on Jesus Christ, whom the scripture says is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and completer of our faith. Renewal is through Jesus Christ. And when the church returns to Jesus Christ, our first love, we will see renewal poured out again. Second Corinthians 517 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I've been using this word this morning a lot, renewal. I've chosen it very, very specifically. I've said it over and over and over. You're probably tired of hearing me say it this morning. And when I say the word renewal, I always think of a couple who's married renewing their wedding vows. Renewal. Isn't that a beautiful picture? A couple renewing their wedding vows. Recommitting to each other in their covenant. Recommitting their love and their devotion to each other. Renewal. Revelation chapter 2 verse 4 says this. It's Jesus talking. It says, but I have this against you, that you've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember where you've fallen from and repent. He says, I, I have this. This is my problem with what's going on. It's Jesus saying, hey, I love your church. Here's what I have. Here's the thing I have a problem with. You left what was important. You left me. You left our, our love together. He wants to renew the vows again. thought it'd be quiet in here at that moment, but I didn't think it'd be this quiet team. God's speaking to me. As the vineyard movement, God's called us to the radical middle, not the mediocre or the medium. He hasn't called us to passivity. He's called us to passionately hold the way of Jesus. The radical middle is not some, like, choice between, like, super good or super bad, so we'll just be medium. The radical middle is fighting for and contending passionately for the way of Jesus forward. That's the radical middle. That's the space we're supposed to occupy. That's what Jesus is calling us to. It's a passionate place, not a passive place. It's not lukewarm and compromising. We're called to refresh our city and our community, not offer them a tepid drink of water that we served yesterday, too. A cold, fresh drink of water. We're supposed to look different, not simply be a place where religious people feel comfortable. We're called to be a place and a family that reflect the passionate heart of God for humanity, You see, God's heart is not medium, mediocre, or middle about people. God's heart is passionately pursuing them with everything he's got. That's why he sent his one and only son, John 3, 16. That's the reason. He's passionate about people, and he will do whatever it takes to reach us where we are, to reach our city. He's looking for a... A place and a family that reflect the passionate heart of God for humanity, not a mall filled with consumers offering options and choices. We're looking for more options. God's just out there drawing hearts to himself, and he's looking for a house to send them to. Does he see it here? He's looking for a place to send them to. Can he send them here? The house of the Lord is supposed to be the place where people can connect with God. And meet with God. What kind of house does he see in me? What kind of house does he see in us? Our worship, our service, and our lives are called to a pattern of worship in living in the house of God, set by God for our renewal and the refreshing of our communities. It's just like in the 60s and 70s when the world was in crisis and turmoil and revival broke out amongst the next generation, prompting the Jesus movement. I believe we're in a time where the world around us may be turned completely on its ear, but here God is drawing people to himself and there's a fresh, new Jesus movement. It's not flashy. It doesn't have to be exciting. It just has to be a group of people that have decided where we want to be Jesus people. I said it doesn't have to be flashy or exciting. It just has to be a group of people that are gathered together saying we want to be Jesus people. That's what we want. Jesus people, people focused on him with our lives and our worship, according to the pattern God played out, laid out for us, letting the world around us know that God has a way. We stand together this morning. Let's stand up. I'm gonna ask for several specific ways for us to respond to him this morning. I don't know what God's doing in your heart, but I'll tell you what he's been doing in my heart as I prepared this, is he's been comparing my life to his way, and sometimes I'm falling pretty short. As, As my life is laid against the pattern for worship and adoration of Jesus Christ, as my life is laid against that pattern what needs to change? So worship team just starts to play. I want us just to let God examine our hearts. You know, specifically as I was preparing this, this in the last little bit here, I, I felt this prophetic nudge to say that God wants to heal people who've been hurt by church. I've been hurt by church. I've been hurt by church leaders. I've been hurt by the organization. I've been hurt by the fellowship and things people have done and said. I've been hurt. And I wanna tell you what God wants to do with your heart if you've been hurt by the church. We've been talking about the house of the Lord. And you see, God calls the house of the Lord to be different, to not be people, to to not be a place that hurts people and damages people and leaves families in turmoil and wreckage. And far too often, the church, the body of Christ, we have not laid things out according to the pattern and people have gotten hurt. And if that's you this morning, I'm really sorry. Sorry. This morning, I want to read over you one of the songs of ascent that the people of God sang as they walked into the city of God. It's a song about renewal and restoration. It says they would sing this. They would sing, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. Like streams in the Negev, restore. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out with weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves, bringing his fruit with him. It's a song about restoration of hope. It's a song about restored fortunes in the kingdom of God. It's a song that they sang actually coming back from captivity when they had lost everything. And there on the horizon they saw the house of the Lord... And as they walked toward it, they said, We've, He has restored everything and made us glad. This morning, I want to tell you that the house of the Lord is a house of renewal, of restoration, and of healing. It's not supposed to be a place of hurt. So today I want to pray specifically for hurts caused by the church. God wants to restore you today. Whatever has been lost, just like the tabernacle and God was establishing relationship with his people after the brokenness and pain of slavery and being in Egypt, God established the tabernacle as a place of healing and restoration of their relationship. Today, God wants to establish a place of healing and restoration for your relationship. And I want to pray for you right now. I was going to we're just gonna do that right now. That's what we're gonna do. So if that's you this morning, I was gonna call out the rest. I'm not right now. If, if, you, if you know, I just need I need healing from being hurt, like I've described in the church, would you just come right now to the altar? We're just gonna pray. Come on, just get out of your seat. Come on down, we're gonna pray over you. Yep. Today's a day of healing, of hope, of restoration. Of healing, of hope, of restoration. Come on, all over the room. God is restoring. God is restoring, he's renewing. Yeah, come on. Yeah. The house of the Lord should not be a place that hurts us. The house of the Lord should be a place that heals us. And sometimes we have not gotten it right. Not just here. All over the world, in the body of Christ, sometimes we've missed it. And so this morning, can we just extend our hands to him and just say, Lord, here's my heart. Because this promise, Lord, in Psalm 126 says, those who sow in tears shall reap with joy those who go out weeping, She'll come home, shall come home, shall come home with shouts of joy. Come home, come home, come home. The Father is saying to you this morning, come home, come home, come home. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we present our hearts to you and we just say, God, we need to be healed. We've been hurt. Jesus, we love you, but sometimes people have gotten in the way and we don't even know what to do. God, we're, we're hurt. We're broken. But God, we, we know that you love us and, and so God, today we ask that you would heal our hearts here in this place. Would you heal our hearts here in this place? Abba Father, would you heal our hearts here in this place? Heal our hearts here in this place, Jesus. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, and heal our hearts today. We're not gonna rush out of this moment. Just receive healing. Come Holy Spirit, let's just wait on him. Responding for healing, I want you just to stay right where you are and just keep meeting with God. I'm gonna, there's people here in the room this morning that you've just been thirsty for renewal, you've been thirsty for revival, and you've just been saying, Hey, I just want to connect with that. Some of you are here at the altar already, and that's awesome. There's some others that you're just saying, I'm ready, my heart is dry and thirsty, I need renewal. I want you just to come forward. We're gonna just cry out to God and just say, Lord, renew our hearts. That's what I want, I want renewal. I've been feeling it, God, I want renewal. I know you're drawing me closer, I need renewal. And then lastly this morning, if you don't know Jesus in this place today, I want to tell you that God has a pattern. God has a way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you want relationship with God, you want a connection with God, you want that place of meeting with God, it starts today in Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are and you'd say, I need Jesus today. I want to pray for you. Yep. Yep you could just keep your hand up for a second so somebody could come and pray with you. Yep. So Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, we present ourselves to you. Lord Jesus, we ask for salvation. Lord, we know that we've made mistakes. We know we've sinned and we've missed the mark. And this morning, God, I ask that you would forgive us. We believe, Jesus, that you are who you say you are, the son of the living God, that you came, you lived, you died, and you rose from the dead on the third day. And today, Jesus, we ask that you would come into our lives and be the Lord of our lives. Lord, we submit our lives to you. We submit our lives to you. We submit our hearts to you today, Jesus. All that you are, we want, Jesus, today. So Lord, today, we just say you have a way, and it's not our ways. And God, today, we declare as your people, we want your way and not our own. We want your way and not our own, God. We want your way and not our own. So would you come? Would you visit this place? And revive our hearts, God, today, in Jesus' name. I so said we're not going to rush out of this moment. If you, if you need to go, God bless you. But we're just going to stay here for a moment. I want to have the worship team. Just Haley, would you just sing over us? And then we're going to just press into more. Let's just wait on the Lord this morning.
1: Caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet, caught up in you. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do.
0: God, we declare that we want you. You know, something happens when people start to say, well, you know, God, I, I, I don't know about all this church stuff, but I really want you, Jesus. He says, okay, let's Let's meet with me (laughs) at this connection point. We're going to sing that song again as we do. Can we just lift up our hands? Let's lift up our voice and just declare, God, we just want you with everything that we have. We're just asking God. We're just saying, God, we we just want you. We just want to meet with you.
1: Nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you Nothing else Nothing else Nothing else will do I just want you Nothing else Nothing else, Jesus Nothing else will do I just want you nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. Just want you nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will.
0: Yes, God, we declare that we just we want you. Just You're all that we want, God. You're all that we want. Else we just want more of you, God. We just we just want to know you more. If you need prayer for any reason, would you just come up the, to the front this morning? We want to pray for you. But you know, we're, all, we're the vineyard, and we believe that everybody is called to be a minister and to, to minister to people. And so if you need something, you need prayer for something, just ask somebody sitting around you Just say, hey, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I need... To hear from God today, I need to hear from God. And let's press into prayer together this morning. Let's minister to each other this morning. for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.